This is Cambridge Judge Business School's online knowledge centre with expert commentary, analysis and insights into the issues of the day. Social Networks and Leader Charisma is the title of a paper that examines interaction between team leaders and their subordinates. Team performance can benefit on the social capital which emerges, but is it a positive just because team members see their leader as charismatic? Professor Martin Kilduff of Cambridge Judge Business School co-authored the paper, which he says follows a stream of work into the relationship between personality and social network positioning, particularly that of centrality. He's found that some people are more central than others in social networks, some more popular in friendship networks, some cross spaces to link people who are not connected, or, in this research, they are at the centre of the advice network. Why they're in this role is not really understood. Social network research is the territory of sociologists whose focus falls on the consequences of, not why people occupy social positions. Professor Kilduff's study concentrates on both the origins and the consequences. Previously, he looked into personality predicting, why people might emerge in central positions, which is very much individually driven. Once again, people differ greatly. In my prior work, I've looked at self-monitoring, which has to do with whether individuals are chameleon-like or not. Can you change the message that you're presenting to people, depending upon what those individuals are expecting to hear? And if you can, then the evidence that I've collected suggests you tend to move into a central position. So that's all well and good. But the sociologists kept coming back to me and saying, well, we think that if you occupy a central position, it actually changes your personality. And we're not going to test it, uh, you know, but that's our belief. That's our sort of ideology, because sociology is about the influence of the social situation on, on the individual so that you get changed by the experiences you have. And being central is a very powerful experience. If you're popular, if you're in the centre of events, it changes who you are. It's like F. Scott Fitzgerald said, you know, the, the rich are different from the rest of us. Well, in some ways, those who are rich in social capital, according to the sociologists, are different from the rest of us. But they don't tell us how they're different. So I thought, OK, they're not going to test it. We'll test it. Well, and, and charisma is the most likely variable that we could come across because it is evaluated in the eyes of other people. So um, your charisma is not something you yourself assess. It's it, Whether you have it or not is really in, assessed by others. So it's very much a social aspect of your personality. So it's very much more likely then uh, that that will emerge in the social situation. And so indeed you could then say along with the sociologists that being central changes you in some way. It, it, it perhaps allows you to discover something about yourself and allows others to discover something about you that was there all along, that's possible, or you fundamentally become a different person. And which of those two it is, this research does not determine. You used two models to explore the impact of, of social capital on team performance. The first was charisma to centrality, and right. the second was centrality mm. to charisma. Now, can you explain the difference mm. in approach, please? Yeah, yes. Well, charisma to centrality, if you like, is the m- more conventional wisdom. So certainly, um, I think, among psychologists. So the idea would be uh, somebody's charismatic. Let's say it's Barack Obama, for example. And um, because of that charisma, because of that magnetism, he, in this case, it would be a he, he draws people to him. 
and therefore he becomes central in the team. In a sense, the team forms around the charismatic individual. And of course, charisma originally comes from the idea of being um, the gift of grace. So it's very much a, a religious notion. So it'd be people like Jesus Christ drawing his disciples to him, or you know that kind of idea. So that's the traditional notion. So, so you have the charisma first, then you become central, and you're giving people advice, and 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 you're in touch with all the individuals at the centre of the group, because then you occupy that central position. And something we haven't yet mentioned is that you then go on to lead a very effective team because the, the end part of this model, both of these models, is team performance. So somehow or other, the combination of charisma and centrality in the team leads to the leader being an effective leader in that the team performs well. So that's the first model. You're charismatic, you attract followers, uh, you become the center of the attention and, and from that position of centrality, you're able to leverage your position in order to um, build a cohesive team and encourage people and so on. Now, the, the, the alternative way of thinking about it is, is more counterintuitive, and that is that, first of all, you become central in, in, in the team. Uh, so we're taking the sociologist's perspective now. We're not going to explain centrality. We're just going to take it for granted. So some people are central. And here we're looking only at formally appointed leaders, but not all of them are also going to be the informal leaders. So some of them are also going to have this you know, powerful combination of formal power, but also informal expertise to where they are also uh, sought out by their team members. Is there an example? Um, well, work-related you know, advice. So there's a, you know, there's a problem with a client uh, uh, the client is making impossible demands. And so you go to the team leader and say, look, I really need your advice as to what I should do here. Um, as opposed to, you know, you keep clear of this formally appointed leader because he or she doesn't really know anything. And so you go to you go to somebody else in the team. Cause the, so the informal leader doesn't necessarily align with the formal leader. The two roles are distinct. Sometimes they overlap, but sometimes they're quite different. Uh, so you could the formally appointed leader might not be seen by others as somebody who is uh, who has the kind of expertise and the sort of street knowledge that is useful for getting your job done. You tested the two models in two different studies. And, and were, they, right. were they studies that took in what I would call a typical workforce and, and, and different environments? Mm -hmm. Well, initially, you know, we thought the first study would be good enough because it included four different samples. Um, three of them were Indian organizations, and they, they were all um, involving knowledge workers. So one was a hospital, so teams in a hospital. I think we had like 21 teams there. Then there was a, a research and development organization, um, you know, trying to test cures for cancer and so on. And the third um, was a government institute, uh, a research. There were these were all medical organizations. And the fourth was a U.S.-based um, advanced students in an engineering program doing class projects that formed a major part of their grade. So rather a variety, a heterogeneous bunch of organizations. I think we had, at the end of the day, I think 56 different teams across all of those organizations. Uh, but we collected the data, that is charisma, of course was evaluated um, by the team members, uh, and centrality, was they were collected at the same time. And so performance was, was collected later, team performance by the supervisors of the team, by somebody else, else entirely. But nevertheless, when we present this or when we was going through the review process, people said, 
How can you establish causality? Because you've collected charisma and you've collected central. So we know these people are central. We know that some of them are charismatic, some are not, and so on. But you're claiming to show statistically uh, that, and what we found was statistically we can show that centrality, leaders who are central are the ones who emerge as charismatic. So the overall message is? Charismatic individuals, and this is our causal explanation, is uh, inhibit social interaction. They inhibit it. I mean, they're looked up to. They're on a different plane altogether. Uh, they're not the people you approach. Rather, you, they're, they're like, you're like children in the presence of adults, as it were, some adults, and you're rather in awe of them. If you regard someone as charismatic, they're the last person you're actually going to want to have a chat with. So, so that's what we found. But, in, but we had to do another study where we tested, we, we collected the data at two points in time. So we collected centrality and charisma early on, and then we collected the same thing later in the cycle of the team development. And, and these were teams now that have never seen each other before. The people are brand new to each other. And these are all student teams. So we could control for a lot of other things, including prior performance, for example. And perhaps people say, well, perhaps some of these leaders just have a reputation for being uh, leading high-performance teams, and therefore they're attributed with charisma because of their prior. Now, we did try to control for that. But, but nevertheless... Our, our reviewers were not convinced, so we we had to uh, we had to get a whole bunch of new data and, and show this happening over time. And indeed, it was quite striking in that um, in the new data, leaders who emerged as uh, as charismatic did not go on to become central, not at all. But once, but but the ones who were central did uh, go on to be seen as charismatic, and that charisma second round of charisma, if you like, the emergent charisma, was significantly predicted of team performance. So what did you draw? What was the overall conclusion? Well, the, the overall conclusion was that, um, well, several things. One is that uh, if you're seen by your teammates as charismatic, you're likely to lead a high-performing team, um, however you get there. Uh, but the, s- the second, perhaps important and rather more surprising conclusion was that we've sort of stripped away the mystique from charisma. So it's not the vision thing, which we heard a lot about, remember, in the Bush presidency. Uh, This is a much more mundane process, whereby soliciting advice from people and boning up and becoming an expert so that you can give people advice and uh, treating people considerately in your team, being available, um, being present, uh, and socially interacting with people at the level of uh, the, the work, uh, they will come to see you as charismatic um, if there's any potential there at all. So rather than booming from on high with your visions of the future, as it were, and then slamming the door and going back to dream up new great thoughts, this is a much more practical way of suggesting that people can uh, emerge as charismatic. Professor Martin Kilduff, thank you very much. This programme was produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School as part of its online broadcast series.